Moncrief on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Jonathan DeBurka Butler are here to bring us news from uh, around the world. Afternoon, Jonathan. Sure, there you get that. Uh, right, okay. Uh, the US we're going to start with uh, today. And uh, th- why have they banned Spanish and Swahili dictionaries? Right, so a bit of context here. This came from a story that I picked up from a radio news feature through NPR, right? And, and the reason I'm telling you that is because I'm fairly sure that the journalist picked up on this through contacts within the prison system, right? right. Because there's two people involved really at the heart of this. A man by the name of Rodolfo Rodriguez, who, as you can probably tell by the name, is a Spanish speaker. He was sentenced to life in prison in 1993. And he wants to learn English in uh, prison, right? Okay. Uh, he went. He went in there. He had basically no English, and he needs Spanish books in order to learn English in prison, right? And he needs access to Spanish dictionaries and that kind of thing. But in Mexican, in the uh, in the correction system, the penitentiaries there. Spanish dictionaries are banned, right? I'll go back to it in a minute as to why that is. Another okay. man, Kwesi Osundar, has been looking for books since around about 2009 relating to uh, things in Swahili, right? So he's interested in the African diaspora and studying the history of that. And he, he thinks Swahili is an important part of that. And he wants access to books uh, in that language. Sure. But he's not getting them because they're banned in the uh, Michigan uh, penitentiary system. And the reason they're banned, we found out when this woman went and and did this small feature on on the radio, is because the Michigan Department of Corrections basically believe that they are dangerous, that it would be dangerous to have books in foreign languages, specifically Spanish and Swahili in this case. And the reason they're saying that is they're saying if certain prisoners all decided to learn a very obscure language, they would be able to speak them freely. (laughs) That obscure language, Spanish. Well, there you go. Exactly. They'd be able to speak them freely in front of staff and others about introducing contraband and assaulting staff and other prisoners and that kind of thing. This is the thing that came out of this guy's mouth. Chris Gouts is his name. He's the Mm. spokesperson for Michigan Department of Corrections. It's absolutely absurd. Absolutely absurd. Okay, but uh, but there is a law there in 1989, the Supreme Court. I don't know how it got to such a high court, but in 1989, the Supreme Court put down a ruling which allows prisons to ban any book as long as it's in the interest of safety. So you could say it could be anything. Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs is uh, a guide to forming gangs. If the book is so big you could just bother someone over the head with it. So exactly. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Sure, you can make weapons out of newspapers. Absolutely. You know, so, you know, this is the argument for it. And and this was the statement that when this journalist went and followed it up uh, that they came back with. So it's a a really bizarre sort of a thing. And, And to your point about Spanish being an obscure language, more people speak Spanish in America than they do in Spain. 61 million people speak yeah. it in, in the United it's States a, well, of America. And, and I, think, I think the Spanish TV market is the second biggest TV market in the world. That would probably make sense, yeah. Uh, and given, you know, uh, um, so many parts of Europe Absolutely. and South America. And the, the, no sense of like, you know, uh, 60 million odd people. In, in It's the second most spoken language, I think, in the US. It yeah. probably is. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so they haven't changed this particular position. No, at all. they haven't. No. And, and in fact, what they do is when you make a request for, and this isn't just in Michigan. I mean, the bands are booked all over the, uh, are, are, sorry, books are banned all over the United States of America, prisons for, for lots of different reasons. Um, but if you put in a request, right, let's say you want to read Don Quixote in Spanish or something like that. Mm. They'll try and find an English translation for you, which they will find of Don Quixote, but they won't find of other books necessarily. And if they can't find it, you don't get it. Tough. Yeah. 
Um, is it just Swahili and Spanish then that they've banned in prisons well, there? This is what she focused on and this is the reason I gave that background as yeah. to her, you know, the avenues that she went down. I'm assuming that she is kind of chasing up this story on their behalf in a way. I mean, they, yeah. they appear in the feature interview. It's quite interesting. I'll, I'll tweet it out later on maybe, a link to it after the show, obviously. Yeah, and, I, I'm uh, just interested to know is Arabic not banned? Would well, they not be like more anxious about that? Perhaps? Well, there you go. Not yeah. saying that they should ban any language. No, no, really, absolutely. But, uh, uh, right, India, we're going to move to uh, next. An interesting court ruling. This is in favour of a same-sex couple. In favour of a same-sex couple who live in the state of Kerala, which is down in the south. One of the big states, obviously. Uh, 35 million people living there. Um, and this involves a couple a young couple, a 22-year-old and a 23-year-old, who met in Saudi Arabia, would you believe? A well-known hotbed of lesbian romance. <laughs> yeah. uh, they went back to India, living together, and, you know, their families thought, ah, they're friends and they're sharing an apartment. But last month, they told their families that they were, in fact, a gay couple, right? Okay. And uh, the families were not too pleased about it, OK? So between the jigs and the reels, they had to move out of their house and move into a shelter for LGBT people okay eventually there was a sort of a mediation and the couple decided to go back to one of their family's houses they were assured that they'd be safe but a few days into their stay the family of one of the other women came and they effectively kidnapped her right they took her away so this very brave uh, woman uh, I mean these women are only 22 and 23 right she went to the police and she reported that her girlfriend had been abducted Um, And then she went to the court and she asked for a hearing and she got the hearing last Tuesday. Mm. And what this involved was her partner being brought into the court and being asked in public, who do you want to live with? Now, in our society, that's fine. But can you imagine like Indian society with honour killings and all that kind of thing, the pressure that these two women were under? She said, I want to live back with my girlfriend. And the judge turned around and said, within a few minutes, fine, off you go you can live together we're not, we're not going to stop you um, so it's very interesting ruling and it got a lot of coverage as you can imagine in uh, in India and uh, quite a bit of support in, in most areas within the media anyway yeah indeed but at the same time they're back living together and it's generated a lot of publicity you'd wonder or you'd worry about their safety and they're, really. and they're worried enough about it themselves they did say in a statement that they were delighted and they knew that they'd have to struggle to be together but they are still concerned about the threats that they might face from their family you know generally it might not be the mother or the father who does something about this but a brother mm. who, who gets annoyed that's what we see is the pattern with these honour killings and just loses his mind yeah Right, Nicaragua, we're going to go to uh, next. They've got rid of 200 NGOs. Why? In a week. And this is on top of the 200 that they've already gotten rid of since um, around April 2018, right? So it all stems back to that date when you might remember, because I'm fairly sure we reported that there were protests. So, So Daniel Ortega, who's been there since... 2007 mm. with his wife Rosario who's there's two of them in it like she's she's no she's no saint um so they changed the social security system back in 2018 and there were small protests about them and the usual situation they got out of hand the police got heavy handed and they cracked down on the protesters and ever since then there's been a crackdown on independent society shall we say so yeah. the media has suffered an awful lot there's about 
a couple of hundred uh, journalists in prison or something like 25 or 26 opposition figures were thrown in prison just before elections last November, which were a total sham. And now this week, uh, on Tuesday and Thursday, they shut down just under 200 NGOs. And these are NGOs like a local equestrian centre for kids, uh, a 94-year-old Nicaraguan Academy of Letters, uh, which you can kind of understand in a way if you're an oppressive regime, regime, you don't like people with ideas knocking around the place. Mm. And then another one which is really sinister called Operation Smile. This is an NGO that does operations for kids with cleft palate and because it has an association with one of his political enemies, a very loose one, albeit, Mm. he decided he wanted to shut it down. Uh, and we, I assume some of them or many of them have some sort of American connections, perhaps. And yeah, he, it, he would dislike them for that it, reason. Too. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is they brought a law in about two or three years ago called it's it's called the pseudonym is, is the foreign agents um, law, yeah. which basically says if any NGO or any organization has any connection whatsoever with foreign agents. You know, that that could be you or me giving yeah, somebody a fiver yeah. to Operation Smile. They can be shut down. Um, so that's the premise on which all of these NGOs are being shut down. Basically. Right. OK. And and is that the way it's been? You know, Ortega's government are, are delivering this news that we're that these sinister organizations pretending oh, to be. Of course, that's the that's the propaganda. Yeah, they're yeah. saying that. And then the other one that they fall back on is that they haven't submitted their financial returns as per, you know, they're supposed to do. And, and right. we're shutting them down. Okay, that's an interesting trend, though, because it's, you know, this has happened to anything like Hungary is doing it a bit, mm. like anything connected with George Soros is, you yeah. know, you know uh, uh, shut down or leaned on uh, very heavily. Uh, right, South Africa, uh, we're going to go to next, uh, where uh, the uh, the president or former president has been sued for kidnapping. You know, it's Cyril Ramaphosa, current yeah. president. He, it, this is a massive story in South Africa and one that's going to go on for a while. Um, there was an official complaint of kidnapping and corruption, which was put in by a former head of the secret security agent, a man by the name of Arthur Fraser, right? He put in this complaint on June 2nd, so that's last Wednesday. And he basically said that there was a robbery that took place on Cyril Ramaphosa's, one of Cyril Ramaphosa's, uh, Ramaphosa's, I always have a problem with South African <laughs> names, Um Ramaphosa's farms. He owns about 31 farms around the country and he's worth about $450 million, right? He's a very rich man, right? So it was um, a wildlife reserve, I think it used to be. And as they were robbing the place, uh, this this pair were robbing the place, I think they were from Namibia in February of 2020, they came across something like $30 million, okay? There, thereabouts. And, um, sorry, $3 million. uh, My apologies, $3 million. Uh, in cash. In cash, which they took, right? But of course... Okay, well, yeah, they're robbers, <laughs> right so there. yeah. Yes, they took. But Ramaphosa managed to track them down and instead of reporting them to police, he basically put them up against the wall. They got sort of knocked around a bit and they were told, we'll give you a bit of the cash if you stay quiet about it and go back to Namibia. Ah. Right? So this was leaked to Arthur Fraser, this former head uh, of the secret security agents and, it should be said, uh, kind of an ally of Jacob Zuma, who's okay. currently in prison, mm. right? So what I'm trying to say here is that these guys have a history. <laughs> yes. Uh, and now it's being investigated. Ramaphosa has come out more or less straight away 
And in a very pointed ma- m- uh, manner, right, in a statement, he said, I have never stolen money from anywhere, be it from our taxpayers, be it from anyone. So basically what he's trying to do there is put it back on Zuma, you know, yeah. say, oh, yeah. remember, Zuma took it from your taxpayers. However, and this is what the opposition are latching on to. The Democratic Alliance are, of course, saying it's not about what you took. It's about, not about what you didn't give. And they're mm. very worried. And they've written a letter to the revenue asking about tax compliance over the apparent cash sale of wildlife. And that is the road it's going to go down. OK, and so so being sued, who's doing the suing? Is it, is it the, the men who were um, the, men, the original robbers? Or are they taking a civil case against uh, Ramaphosa? I, I, this? That's a good question, actually. I'm not 100% sure. So it's yeah. an investigation that's being launched. So this is, I mean, if it turns out to be a criminal uh, yeah. case, because the, the police might open a case of their own in that regard, um, but yeah, I think Fraser is 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 launching the official complaint. Uh, he's the one who's drawing it to the attention of the um, of the authorities, and whether he, he's sort of suing them or their lawyer, or if he's taking the case on the behalf of the thieves, I'm not 100 percent sure to be honest with you. Yeah. Right, uh, the uh, uh, DRC. We're going to go to uh, finally the Democratic Republic uh, of the Congo. A, a cursed part of the world, really, really one, is. one must say. And again, another example of this. 27 civilians killed. Yeah, 27 civilians killed. This happened last Saturday in an attack by uh, an organisation called the ADF. They originated in Uganda around 1995. Back then had very sort of tenuous links with militant Islam. And now it has become much stronger over mm. the years. So like Islamic State are now saying these guys are representatives in Eastern DRC. And actually it's it's it's... It's so it's so tragic because I came across this story obviously at the weekend, right? And I added it to this pile. And just as I was coming out, there's another one from Sunday where 18 civilians have been killed. So it's 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 really it's a bloodbath in that part of the world. There's something like 120 armed groups operating along that border there uh, in eastern DRC, and it's completely lawless. Um, to be honest with you. Yeah, it, it is. Uh, yeah, it's, it seems to me an absolute state of chaos at the moment. Right, so what should we look out for over the next week or so, Jonathan? Yeah, I think uh, Friday, a very interesting organisation that uh, I, I wasn't really aware of, to be honest with you, called the B9. This is the Bucharest 9, which was put together by the current Roman president, Klaus Johannes. And this is the former states of the Soviet Union, right? So Romania and Estonia, Hungary, all of these types of countries will be meeting on Bucharest on Friday and there'll be no uh, prizes for guessing what they'll be talking about. But it'd be interesting to see what the outcome of that meeting would be or what mm. kind of a statement will come out of it. And then on Sunday, there are elections for the National Assembly of France, which will be quite interesting. That'll be interesting too, because, uh, yeah, Macron is only there from the, the least crap of all the options. So uh, we'll see how people vote <laughs> on that one. Jonathan, thanks a million. Is ever Jonathan DeBurka Butler there. You are listening to The Moncrief Show on... Moncrief. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Weekdays at 2pm on News Talk. News Talk.